Hey guys, how's it going? This is Cartel Finance Podcast number 22. As usual, our co-hosts are forgetting to mute their mics when we start this, so you might hear some background noise. Um, anyway, there's a lot that went on since... There's a lot that went on... Oh my god, the feedback. Alright, that's fixed. A lot that went on this last week. We got full spoilers for Conspiracy 2, uh, alternate foil Planeswalker, and we got a plethora of questions... Um, so, the most important thing that I was right. Yeah, Jim was right. Um, there, we're also going to be making a Fogo bet on this week's podcast between Jim and I about price points. And other than that, uh, we're going to start off by introducing each cast member and also answering a listener question at the same time. They want to know if we're going to Grand Prix Indy. So if you guys want to start off, introduce yourself and say whether or not you're going to Indy. Hey everyone, I am Douglas Johnson, uh, everybody calls me DJ, I write for quietspeculation.com, and you, my articles come out every Thursday on the insider side, and I'm on Twitter at Rose of Thorns, and I'm not going to Indy. Well, I thought we were just introducing ourselves, not all of our life lessons and where to find us, I thought that was at the end of the podcast, don't, but whatever. Don't make me go on my Reddit username, and like my League of Legends name, and all that stuff. Oh yeah, you forgot your blood type this time. <laughs> Uh, my name is Jim. Um, I am not going to Indianapolis because Modern is kind of a shit show right now. It's always a shitty format, let's be honest. No, it was great when Splintertone was in the format, but now everyone's trying to kill everybody on turn three, and I'm, I don't want to do that. Luckily, there's someone out there who will make Magic great again. Vote Trump 2016. Just kidding. Uh, my name's Travis Allen. You can find me on Twitter at WizardBumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N. I write for MTG Price every Wednesday, and I also do MTG Fast Finance, the podcast with James Chilcott, which releases roughly on Thursday. I will not be at Indianapolis because it's a far drive, uh, but Modern is an awesome format, uh, but this is probably not one of the better times for Modern given the dredge situation that's going on right now. And I'm Zemet. Honestly, Modern's always sucked, except for when Birthing Pod was legal. Um, the Dredge deck's sort of cool. Uh, there's no need to be a troll about it, but I think it's an interesting archetype that, you know, everyone had always said, oh, Golgari Grape Troll's a dollar because of the reprint or whatever, and they're good to put away, and now you're finally getting paid off. And I don't think that that card's done growing either. I can't believe that that's still like 10, 15 bucks. Like, I don't know if I'm buying them at that price, but I will definitely trade for them. Yeah, well, I mean... It wasn't reprinted in Conspiracy 2, and that's the first thing that we get into. Uh, Show and Tell was spoiled as a mythic. Berserk was spoiled as a mythic. Uh, that's pretty much it. They put, like, a Shatterstorm fireball sort of effect in the set, which is cool, but I don't think financially that card will do much. Uh, any cards that you guys want to talk about from Conspiracy 2? You're first, Doug. Yeah, no, I'm just pulling up the actual spoiler. So what Doug's trying to say is no, nothing. <laughs> There's nothing I really personally care about uh, finance-wise in terms of like buying cards and waiting for them to go up because I think the time to buy cards and wait for them to go up is like two months from now when cards are at the low point. But from a personal standpoint, I think there's a lot of sweet bulkers from my cube. I think that basically every card that says the word draft or reveal this card on it is going to be a bulk rare, and I'm going to put all those in my cubes. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Um, 
the conspiracies are probably also pretty good for cubes. Jim, is there anything that caught your eye at all? I know. Oh, I'm very, very glad the Avatar of War was in the set. I cannot think of any possible card that could have been there instead. Yeah, that it's is the really, perfect spot for Avatar of Woe. Nothing else would have satisfied me. It's really a damn shame that this nation has to deal with that, you know. I don't. I don't really. D minus. Talking around. Yep. Um, I really like Subterranean Tremors. I think that card is pretty pretty busted in EDH. Um. It's Earthquake that does a lot of other shit, which is always good. Like, Earthquake's fine. Earthquake that does more things is great. Um, I think the new Grenzo is pretty sweet. I want to build a deck with him. Uh, I think Recruiter of the Guard is not good, but we'll figure that out later. Um, I don't know. I, I'm just really excited to draft it. Like, it's going to be nice that if you can open, like, one of a couple of cards, like, you're not just, like incinerating money like it felt like with the last conspiracy where you feel like oh but even the really good cards they're not really worth anything unless they're foil where here I think we can open some non-foils and like be satisfied with what we did with our time uh, yeah conspiracy is tricky if you look at the price list for the first conspiracy which is now two years past you've got Jack Faden at 20 exploration at 10 to 12 uh, my two dogs who are excited about our neighbor coming home. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of high-end cards in there, and I don't think we're going to see it much different with Conspiracy 2 either, um, especially this time around. There's a lot of very strong reprints here. I do think either Burgeoning or Horn of Greed, Burgeoning or Horn of Greed are the cards to keep your eyes on because those are going to crash really well, and then they will, uh, they'll do well over time because those are just really popular casual cards that are in the $10 to $15 range at the moment. But there's no, like, slam dunk from here. It's not I that think the mana doubler is really good for long term. It's like the 6-6 six, six or the 5-5 five, five that makes you the monarch and then doubles your mana. I think that guy's really good long term. Yeah, that's true. That could be a sleeper pick because that's a card that a lot of us are likely to glaze over but will end up popular with the casuals. Like it's a Marauder's Wake you can green some for and it also draws you a card at the end of your turn. I also feel like Spitting Slime could be like a really good long term casual card because People love doubling shit, and that's what it does. It's definitely something to keep an eye out for. Uh, one thing to note is uh, this set will be sold at Walmart. It's an unlimited print run, so it's going to be a little crazy. Um, I don't think that there's a single Mythic that can sustain over $25, and Jim and I had a little disagreement about that. Uh, so in order to make it official, if he hasn't backed out yet, there's a thing called the Fogo Bet, which is what the Brainstorm Brewery Finance Podcast did. Rest in peace. And um, basically, we're both going to make a bet. The price will be TCG mid by the state, and whoever loses has to buy someone, the other cast member, dinner at a Brazilian steakhouse called Fogo, which is all you can eat at GP Vegas next year. So, Jim, do you want to talk about the card and what the price point it is? So, I think we're going to start off a little rocky here. I thought we were talking about the foil one. Were we not talking about the foil we were one? We're not talking about the foil one, as evidenced by Facebook. Uh... We were talking about the normal one. Well, that is unfortunate because I was at the higher price one on the foil one, uh, not the regular one. I will graciously allow Jim to withdraw what he had said in public, um, but I do think Berserk and Show and Tell. No, will I'm go pretty below. sure someone could look on Twitter because we had a Twitter conversation. Maybe we misunderstood each other, as many people do on the internet. But I was talking about the foil one being less than forty or about forty dollars. 
and you're like, nah, it's gonna be like twenty. Yeah, There's I don't. No way that a no way that a normal mythic in that set is gonna be over twenty bucks. What card are we talking about? I had to take my headphones off to yell at my fiance. Berserk. Berserk. And what were the two proposed positions here? Well, Jim's backing out because he thought I meant foils and I thought he meant normals, but uh, Jim thought that foils. Oh, time out, time out. I'm not. I wasn't backing out. I was just clarifying before I was in. Oh, you two are exhausting. We yep. said we were going to make the bet here. Yep. So do you want to make a bet on foils or non-foils then? Uh, whatever you want. All right, I'll do non-foils. They're below twenty dollars TCG mid by December thirty-first, twenty sixteen. Did you mean TCG market, Jeremy? I'm going mid, because that's what we sell at. What happens if I also agree with you? Then we both buy each other our own dinners at GP Vegas while we wait All for right. steak to get out, and by the time we're done with dinner, All right, how we'll about, go get breakfast. How about this? How about this? I will agree with you, and if we both lose, we buy SIG dinner. All right, deal. And SIG, <laughs> and, and SIG, for those of you who haven't listened to our cast lately, I know it's been getting more popular. Thank you guys for the views. Um, SIG is our unofficial fifth member. He came on one time, and his audio was bad, uh, probably because he's just trying to eke out as much value as he can out of everything that he does. But he also has kids, and unfortunately, when we record, it doesn't make time for him to step in. Hopefully, we'll get him on for GP Vegas, though. So. I, there is no value in Windows Vista, Jeremy. What? I said there is no value in Windows Vista, at least that's what I'm assuming he's using. Yeah, probably. I I think that part of the condition should be the SIG has to mention to you guys on Twitter the bet you just made within like 48 hours, and nobody tell him. So if he listens to any of this in 48 hours, he gets basically free dinner. But if he doesn't say anything, then it's excluded. Uh, no, well, let's we all have to be long, wrong. Yeah, let's go one step further. For those listening in on SoundCloud or any other non-audio-based stuff, we do record this live and take viewer questions on YouTube. You can follow any of our Twitter accounts to see that link the next time that we record. But for everybody listening, this should be easy enough if you have access to Twitter. Uh, Sig's Twitter profile stuff, please don't uh, tweet this until you hear this. So after the cast has been recorded, if you're watching us live, don't tweet it yet. Tweet at SigFig8. That's his Twitter handle, and just say watermelon. He hates that, and just go with it. So if you're listening live right now, don't tweet it or don't give it away, but if you're listening to our cast later on SoundCloud or another place, just tweet at him watermelon. Um, anyway, we're going to get into the actual finance instead of just messing around, since since we do like to tell people whether or not, uh, like, what prices are going where and all that. Uh, we did have a good conversation last week about why I think Magic is in a bubble, um, there were some good counterpoints, of course. If you didn't listen to that, you're welcome to listen to the last cast. Travis is also whispering something, for those of you that can't make that out. But, you know, we did get an alternate art foil Planeswalker. Uh, the new Planeswalker that comes out every foil, I believe, comes with an alternate art uh, image. Is that what it is for that? Because it just was announced today. Yes, yeah, all the foils are that. So do you guys think that these are going to be sought after? Do you think there's going to be a different price point than like a normal foil planeswalker? Or you think it's not that big of a deal? Just to butt in to clarify for one second, we're talking about Kaya and not Doretti because there are actually two new planeswalkers in this set. Both of them are nude. There's no reprints. Both of them are nude. New. New? New. Um, 
So do you think that there's going to be a different price point because it's an alternate art? We know that the promo Ugin, though mainly because of rarity and demand for Tier 1 decks and Cube was so expensive, do you think we'll see something like that? Do you think this is good enough to be included in all these types of Cubes and whatnot, or you just think it'll be a fad? I don't know. It's There's no different rarity, though, is the thing. It's like if you were going to pull a Foil Kaya, you get a Foil Kaya. It's just this one looks a little different. And the art's not that drastically changed. It's a little shiny. I don't know. I think it has a little bit of a higher multiplier, but I don't think it's going to be that big compared to what it otherwise would. I am on the fence on this, but there is historical precedent for this. Uh, Airtai the Corrupted and Talrath? Tangarth. Tangarth. Oh, right. In Plane Shift were alternate foils. Now, they were not... uh, You could still pull normal foils, normal art foils, and there was the alternate art foils as well, and I don't recall how you get a hold of them, or how you got a hold of them at the time, but I do know that the alternate art foils are, I think, at least 10 times more expensive than the pack foils. They're very expensive, in like the $70 or $80 range. We also can look back at the unsets, at least one of the unsets, I don't remember if it was both of them, um, which this Conspiracy 2 ends up looking more and more like an unset every day. Uh, and that also had several alternate art foils. Although they weren't quite this dramatic, what they did is the foiling added character, to, uh, added detail. So I think there was a card, a Goblin Mime, I think was the name of the card, and on the non-foil it showed him just kind of like in a position. But in the foil it showed like an actual foil box around him. So we know um, that added some depth and character to the foils as well. And there were, I don't think there were normal foils without that detail. It was every foil had it, and those are a good bit pricier as well. Um, so even though there weren't normal foils of those cards, the foils were still quite a bit more expensive because they were unique. So that brings us to Kaya. We don't have a normal art foil, but the foils are really cool, and the art is better too. And I mean, it's a fairly dramatic change in the art as well. I mean, it's, it's a different picture. Foils prior to this are in the $70 to $75 range. Uh... I almost bought all three that were on eBay earlier today. I, I hesitated. I, I haven't checked before the cast. So I don't know what they are now, but I would not be surprised to see these in the $100, $150 range because it is, it's is—it's a better art. It's cool, and it's, it's a piece of, like, magic history. Like, there's a very compelling reason to get the foil for people that wouldn't have gotten it otherwise, and it's, it's very unique in that regards. I definitely agree with Travis here. I think there's, like... Definitely some merit to the fact that it's a different art. I think it's going to be more like the recent um, Ugin the Spirit Dragon promo, which was weird because it had different art, which is it's not the same kind of thing, but I think that there's probably a similar number of promo Ugin the Spirit Dragons as there are foil Ugin the Spirit Dragons, and the promo one has like definitely a much higher price point because of the different art. So I think that depending on... like how people feel about the art, which I I think that the foil one looks cooler in addition to being foil. Um, it might entice some more people to buy the foil that wouldn't have otherwise done that. Just so, just so everyone's aware, there are still two foil copies on eBay right now for pre-sale, but they're not sold from the United States, so you'd have to wait like two or three weeks to get them, and they're $75 each, so if you want to get two foil Kayas on eBay, it's 150 bucks for two of them. I, you know, this is a little subjective, but I will say that I am pretty sure the foil art is just better. And in fact, when I saw the non-foil art, I thought it was a very odd positioning for the character. It's just like she's not really doing anything. She's very, um, she's almost demure 
uh, it, it didn't seem quite right of a fit for the character. Um, and then the foil really shows actually what the character is more like. So it's kind of cool that the foil art is much more representative of the character, I think, than what she does. I'm actually a big fan of the original art. I think the difference between the original art and the promo art is black and white and two colorless. But um, basically, I I don't think it's going to be much higher than normal. I think there's going to be a ton of conspiracy opened. Um, so yeah, there there is. But I mean, Dak Faden pack foils are still like over two hundred dollars. Not anymore. Eternal Masters. Take I mean, if you want to get an Eternal Masters one, it's like one hundred and twenty or one hundred and thirty. The Eternal no, foil, the Eternal wait. Master foils are cheaper, but the conspiracy foils are still like two hundred bucks. I could have sworn that that the Eternal Masters foils had dropped to ninety, but I checked that price like two weeks ago, so I might be wrong there because we had looked at picking up some for a vintage player. Um, I mean, the other yeah. thing is that card is also playable in vintage and legacy, and this one's probably not constructed playable at all. Which is a very fair concern. Uh, yeah, on TCG, the cheapest deck fade and foil on conspiracies, two fifteen. Do you think that's partially just due to like people not being willing to let them go for less than that, considering they spent like four or five hundred dollars on them a couple years ago? <laughs> I mean, there that's always a possibility. I don't think um, Metalworker either foils Metalworker have fallen barely at all. Probably partly because. No one's in a rush to get rid of them. I mean, yeah, it's a lot of work to get rid of something like that anyway. Um, as usual, we try to answer viewer questions every week. Travis had actually brought this up uh, on Twitter, I believe. Uh, Bloodbraid Elf had suddenly been legal on the Magic Online beta for Modern. And so some people are saying that, oops, they accidentally leaked the Bloodbraids getting unbanned and that's why they put it in Eternal Masters or it was just an honest mistake. What do you guys think? And do you even think that Bloodbraids good to pick up right now with the reprint that just happened? I don't think that this is anything to get concerned over. Uh, I'm guessing that it was just like an oopsie by Wizards of the Coast or whoever runs Magic Online. Um, all of us know that that program is not without mistakes or anything like that. Uh, Jund is certainly not in a position where I don't where it needs any upgrades or buffs or anything like that in the current meta. Jund is doing perfectly fine. I don't think that is their uh, going to be their way to shake up the format at all. Um, considering if people are trying to kill each other on turn three, I don't think Bloodbraid Elf really adds anything to that. Uh, that being said, when Adam Saborski posted his weekly TCG player article of, like, the top ten most sold cards in TCG Player for the week, Bloodbraid Elf was number one. So there's a bunch of people who are willing to buy into this hype, and I am of the opinion that you sell into that hype and get rid of Bloodbraid Elves at whatever they're at for whatever ridiculous price people are willing to pay for them. So my personal opinion is Bloodbraid Elf is one of the cards that's probably the... So all the cards in, in Modern are banned for a reason, right? And there's very it's very unlikely that they ever come off. But Bloodbraid Elf is probably the one of the more likely to ever come off the ban list, unlike, you know, Chromox, which probably will never ever come off the ban list. Like it's one of those cards that I could see in the future eventually in, in some alternate universe where it's gonna come off the ban list. But I don't think it's gonna be now and I don't think it's gonna be soon and I mean, you could buy them for, like, a dollar each and just leave them in your binder forever if you are a player and you don't want to get, like, burned. But 
I don't really see a reason to get them. Like, there's, they, they printed them again in Eternal Masters. Like, they can't possibly be worth very much money for very long, even if they do get unbanned. All right, so uh, Jim clearly knows nothing about Modern in any way, shape, or form. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, there are a bunch of cards on the Modern ban list that are not coming off, and Chromox is one of them. But they've brought a bunch of cards off the list, and there's still, like, at least five or six, possibly 15 cards that arguably could come off the ban list. Um, Blood Raid Elf isn't a dollar. It's like three or four bucks and has been for quite some time. And Eternal Mash is a limited print run, so uh, you know that's not going to flood the market with copies more than the other stuff. I'm of the opinion that when we saw, I think it was Splinter Twin get unbanned on Moto before, that was right before a ban list, and I don't believe that it was corrected. It was like two days or a day before the change or something like that, and it stayed unbanned on Moto, on, the, on Moto Beta until it was announced in real life. We are like two months away from a ban list update, so this is much a much different timing, and if they were testing it at this point in time, they'd be doing it on paper. They wouldn't be doing it on Moto um, because of, just because of things like this. Uh, Corbin also pointed out uh, in our Facebook group chat that if they were going to test uh, to see whether or not they wanted to get it unbanned, they wouldn't, like, unban it in the format and then play the format. They would just, like, build decks and play them in, like, a free area. Correct. You, like, don't need to actually oh. restrict yourself to a format. I see what you're saying. Like, still on moto, just not restricted to the modern Right, they would format, play them in, like, know. the free casual area or whatever. Yeah, that's a good point. So, and we also know that moto's, we also know that moto's, moto's extremely buggy, and if this was a real outlier then and be like, oh, wow, this is a huge flag, but given that your sideboard doesn't load or deload or whatever half the time you play Moto, I mean, this seems rather inconsequential, especially because apparently changing the ban status of cards on Moto is not just a flag. They actually have to, like, change real programming, which just seems insane to me, but gives it more opportunity to actually break. And Blood Raid Elf was the last card that they touched, I think. Or this, no, I guess that's not true because they we've had some unbanning since then. In, in any case, I don't think this is a huge flag for Blood Raid Elf coming off, but I do think it is one of the cards best positioned to come off the ban list. I think that it should, never should have been on the ban list in the first place. It was always Deathrite Shaman, and Wizards just didn't want to axe Deathrite for some reason. Um, I do think Blood Raid Elf would be better in the format than Doug might have given it credit for. Uh, it does a lot, and Ancestral Visions is back in the format, so it's it's one of those cards that is not as powerful as it looks, and with stuff like Dredge Runner on Killing You on turn 2 or 3, it doesn't seem as much of a threat, but Jun is already pretty well positioned. Blood Raid Elf is a very powerful card. All of this amounts to me thinking that I am hesitant to buy into Blood Raid Elf right now, um, even though apparently a lot of people are excited about it. Uh, because it is in the 3 or $4 range, I'd rather wait for the next ban list, and if it misses, maybe you think about scooping them up. But I have always I've liked Blood Raid Elf pickups since it got banned last time, um, and I but I also wouldn't be eager to sell my copies under ten dollars because I do feel like eventually it comes off, and then you get paid off, and I don't really want to sell them for four dollars at this point. Are you serious, guys? Saying that they didn't ban Death they banned them all at the same time. Is that you are robot? Your mic is yeah. dead. I think he said something about Deathrite Shaman and Blood Raid Elf, but they did not get banned at the same time, if that's what he said. I said that it is banned. Nope, try it again. Uh, Unplug your mic. That's horrible. Um, personally, I'm hoping Blood Raid Elf and Jace come back with a Burning Vengeance. It would make Modern a lot more fun or palatable for me to play, at least. Um, is that a pun towards the card, Burning Vengeance? I did, but yeah, that doesn't yeah. even fit. Like, how does that, <laughs> how does that work? You can skate um, in the Burning Vengeance? You know... I mean, I think I lost all my wisdom with my hair. 
uh, it was a pretty hairy situation, and it ended up in a close shave. But um, yeah, oh, you're the worst. You're the worst. Your mic is horrible, man. You need to do something about that. We still can't hear you. Jim, do you want to type your comment about Blood into chat? I anyway. actually think Jace, the Mind Sculptor, is one of the more likely cards to come off the ban list in the in the future. I think it's like in the top three of like what could come off. Uh, Did- I can ask a question. I'm real. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just curious. Did you play during Zendikar Standard? Yes, I did. Okay. I just like again, same. I don't think blue uh, four drops are playable right now, and I don't think that that card would do much to change that. I mean, it would have an impact, and I think it'd have a deck, but I don't think it would be suddenly be the best deck, and it'd be like solving the format and fixing it. Well, Cryptic Command is certainly not playable, so you got that going for yeah. you. Yeah. Man, like, I'm so sad. Die, die with Jace on board, and then they like kill you with a Glistener Elf or something like. Yep. I am firmly of the belief that Jace would destroy Modern, but. Like, what deck does it go in? Nahiri? Any of them, literally any deck. Like that. That was a, that was the problem with Zendikar, right? Is that take a deck, add Jace, it's better. And I don't. Modern's not going to be quite that bad. You know, Dredge isn't playing Jace, but any single deck that's even close to casting it would add him. Luckily, we're done with corsets for a while, so you shouldn't worry that much. I have returned. Am I still a robot? Oh my god, that's so much. Wait, I didn't get that one, Jeremy. We're done with corsets. We don't have to worry about Jace the Mind Sculptor. K O R. If you really need me to spell it out for you, I've got crayons somewhere. This, I'm so glad it came back. (laughs) I'm so mad that I almost missed it. Um. So another thing that has been going around is the general um, notice of price trends that all the staples are going down, basically. Uh, Force Will is dropping. Uh, Thought Seize is still dropping. Fetchlands went down another 20% in a week, which is pretty crazy. Um, so is this doom and gloom for everything? Or uh, as we've talked about in various forums, what's happening with the market right now? Uh, at least with the fetches and thought seas, I think that our previous discussion, or at least the results of our previous discussion, still holds true, and that everybody has these. Everybody's stockpiling these, wanting them to go up, waiting for them to go up, thinking that they're the like MTG finance uh, wizards or whatever. And everybody has their sets of deltas, windswept heats, and nobody needs them. Nobody, the player base hasn't grown significantly since the past couple of years, so there's nobody entering in. Uh, lacking these fetch lands or lacking these sort of thoughtsies reprints, and there's no new demand for them. So, Force Will is a different creature entirely. So I'm not we haven't we haven't really talked about that yet. But at least in terms of the modern staples, I think that um, there's just not enough demand, and everybody has them, and everybody's waiting for them. Like I still have 300 something shock lands that I've been waiting on for forever, and I started to sell them over the past few months just because they're not going anywhere. I think the same is true with fetches and thoughtsies. I think you just get rid of them. Jim? Yeah, I'm thinking. I'm trying to formulate a thing that's not I agree, but... Um, I can go basically with her. No, I, I, I'm basically, like, cards that were reprinted... Cards that were printed from Return to Ravnica forward were printed in such large quantities compared to things before that that it's going to take a very, 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 very long time before they become expensive. Um, copies are not being lost to time, and they're not being damaged and lost forever. Like There's just too many of them, and there's too many people that play during those time periods for stuff like that to even 
to ever be worth anything. Like, I think we need a really big push to the size of the player base before we really see any significant growth in guards from Richard and Ravnica till now. I'll answer Force of Will first, because uh, Legacy is dying, and nobody's going to be playing it in several years in the same way that nobody plays Vintage. So I'm not, I don't mean that nobody is going to play Legacy, but nobody's going to play Legacy. Uh, as for fetches, yeah, that's tricky. I mean, we are just coming off of Cons of Dark here, right? It's only been a couple months, and they're deflating. We saw it with Thoughtseize, too. Autotheros is, is still kind of deflating. I don't think that's even really hit its inflection point yet, or if it has, it just turned around. So we're probably, you know, you're in much better positions with these and Shocks, and those of us that bought into a lot of Shocks uh, got burned <laughs> on those. Um, because they didn't rebound the way we thought they would, but, you know, modern players only play one to two shocks a lot of times, um, whereas fetches, you know, you're looking at four, eight, nine, twelve in a deck list, so the fetches at least have a rosier outlook long-term. But will it be soon enough, and will it be worth buying into them? Uh, Is the opportunity cost too high? That's a good question. You know, I haven't looked at each one of them individually to really formulate an opinion on that, but um, I think the best odds are probably on the non-blue ones, um, since the blue ones tend to start higher, uh, but I, but you know that's tough to say. I mean, there's probably there's probably return there. The question really is 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 it worth the opportunity cost? You're muted, Jeremy. There's another thing to mention here. Um, something that the brainstorm brewery guys definitely talked about. Every year, towards the end of the year, Magic goes through a seasonal decline. Um, Prices stagnate and go down all the way through December up until around January. Uh, it's just something to watch out for because I don't know exactly why it is, uh, but yeah, prices just drop every year. I think people are taking advantage of that and they shorted a ton of stuff. I sold a ton of fetch lands to someone, and the only reason why I figured out why fetches had dropped so much is he had contacted me and said, "Why the hell did you sell these to me if you knew they were going to drop?" And I was like, "Wait, what?" And then we looked at how far fetches had fallen. And it's crazy. Did Just, he ask you really why you sold something to him that you knew was going to go down? Yeah, so it's funny because he listens to this cast, but if, I'm obviously not going to name names. His exact message that he sent me as I pull this up is... Hey, Jeremy, you... Why did you tell me these cards, you... <laughs> How did you know Fetchlands were going to drop so hard right after you sold so many to me? I I still can't figure out what caused this drop. I'm not mad at you. You didn't force anything down my throat. I'm just trying to figure out what I misjudged. That was the message I got. Uh, People don't actually play with that many of them. Like They play with more Fetches than Shocks, but even the decks that play Fetches, there's not that many of them that are very cheap. Did you see, uh, what is it, the the cook, the thief, the wife, and her lover, or something like that? The movie? No. Oh, there's a movie with that long name. It's got Meryl Streep. It's kind of famous, but there's a scene where they shove pieces of paper down a guy's throat, and that's what I was thinking about when Jeremy read the message about the guy having fetches shoved down his throat. Oh. It's pretty by gruesome, the way, actually. Legacy's not dying. We just started up our own series in mid-Missouri, and we've been getting plenty of people, so thank you very much. You can go to Eternal Extravaganza 
by Tales or Eternal Weekend or whatever, there's still people that play it. There will always be people that play it. Because of the amount of cards out there, it's always going to be limited on how many people can play and the money that it takes. I mean, people aren't going to stop playing it. People still play Paper Vintage, but, you know, it's it's irrelevant. How about this way? It's basically the format's irrelevant if you don't want to queue for the PT, which l- severely limits its exposure. To be fair, the the amount of people that show up to FNM are a small portion of the overall population that plays Magic. The fact that we're talking about the PT is the 1% of the 1% of the people that go to FNM. You know, I, there's so much scrutiny on um, what happens at the highest levels of Magic, but the actual Magic where most where Watsi makes most of its money is happening on kitchen tables. And that leads us into another listener's question. Uh, he wanted to know why EDH price. Uh, let me pull this up real quick. I believe the exact phrasing was, why does EDH set prices? It was something along those lines. Consuming aberration. Is that, like, is that rhetorical? Is that any different than, like, why does magic set prices or why does standard set pr- like? Yeah, I'm trying to pull it up. Doug, I just realized you have your shirt on. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I got my shirts in today for my... Um, future vendoring uh, Did you get one for your fiance? I did. I got an order of 12 done. 12 shirts. Uh, the, the actual question is... How many friends? The actual question is, how serious is Commander affecting prices? And uh, you know, that's like a partial question. I mean, casual is the majority of magic. Like... That's yeah. why we continue to invest in bulkers all the time because they can only go up or they're just a solid investment. Stuff like um, that seven mana enchantment from Returner Ravnica is now almost $2 mid. And since I sell at mid, like that's crazy that it went from a bulker to that. And the only person that I picked up on that was the guy who had been doing bulk that entire time. Yeah, I mean, I wrote an article about this quite a while ago uh, called Consuming Aberration. And that's what the message was. It was like, this is a card. It was during Ravnica standard. It was like, nobody anywhere in your FNM is paying any attention to this card whatsoever. Half of you forgot that it's in the set, but it's like a $3 card. And that's, it really, it shows you the power of the casual market is that there's this humongous silent majority that buys tons of cards. And, and really, you only encounter these people if you basically run a store. That's the only time you even know these players exist because they wander in and they browse the binders and they buy bulk rares or whatever, $3 consuming aberrations, then they leave. But for just the average player, you would not you would never see these people. They're invisible. It's interesting because like I started as one of those players, so I have a lot better feel of what those players would like, and I'm also engaged to one of those players. So I just sort of have this... like extra sense as to what those players would enjoy and how that uh, that sort of market affects prices. The only time that you're really going to see them is at pre-release, and that's like the best time, because first of all, you're selling a bunch of singles to people that never come in the shop that are EDH players only, but then you get those casual people that have been playing forever, and they bring in all these praters that they're not using, and praters are hot fire. Those things move quick, and like nobody has those in their binders anymore, but the casual players do. Because you're like, why am I going to have this $25 card? I can trade it for more dragons. And you're like, sweet, I can move this card. I'm not going to offer you $3 on it. You know, you're not going to screw them, obviously, because you want them to keep bringing in these old cards. But it's definitely nice to get older inventory in from these casuals, especially bulk. 
You know, I uh, my friend invited me over to play EDH with him the other day, and his two buddies showed up who hadn't played Magic too much in a while. They used to play ultra casual. We were playing we were playing EDH, and the one guy was talking. The one, just to give you an idea where they were, the one was in a four player game was playing his blue black mill deck with no creatures, and he was playing Dissolve. So you know that that level of EDH. Um, but he was talking about how excited he was that he had just ordered, finally ordered a Drana for his tribal vampires EDH deck. And he's like, yeah, this card's going to like push that vampires over the edge. And the other guy was like, oh, I don't even want to play against it anymore. That card's going to be so good. And I'm like, Drana's not even that good. In a, van, tribal vampires EDH isn't that good. Drana's not going to be that good in that deck. Like, none of this is going to be good. But they were like genuinely excited about this and spending like $15 on this card or whatever. And it's like... I, you, it's so easy to forget you people are out there, but these are the players that make those cards expensive, who who really enjoy Magic at a much different level than all of us do. And frankly, I'm a little jealous of how much they get to enjoy it, because none of us have been like that for a very long time. You haven't seen my EDH decks, have you? Oh, yeah, like... If, I, you, if you've ever played in a competitive event, you are not that person. You, no. you haven't been that person. Um, I've or, you tried, or you tried yeah, it. Wait a second. I've registered Doomsday, Nick Fit. Uh, I even got DQ'd for playing Four Horsemen. That's fun that's a, for me. That's a very different level of satisfaction. If you don't get excited about the new dragon in each set, you're not that guy. Like but I, I do. I love the new dragon in the next set. It's going to be great. And I get a Berserk, so I can Berserk my Atarker to kill people in one hit. The fact that you even realize Berserk is a good card means you're still not in Yeah, there. that player looks at Berserk and realizes it kills their creature at the end of the turn and doesn't want Berserk. Exactly. No, I see. I'm a little... I'm, like, a slight bit above that where I'm like, it's okay if my guy dies as long as that guy dies. You, you, the thing is, you're a Timmy, or I guess... Is that a, tim, a Timmy? But you're you're yeah. a you're a knowledgeable Timmy. It's these guys who just don't know any better, right? Jim it's the players who play Dragon's Claw. Well, like, I, have, feather. I have Jim's regular conversations with people who think that Shipbreaker Kraken is broken. Shipbro. Which one's six, that one? It's a, a monstrous tap, your guy. It is broken. It's in the name. It, it makes it... And it turns into a 10-10. You tap four of their guys, and their guys stay tapped for as long as you have the Kraken. So you just get to kill them with a 10-10. I have conversations with multiple different people who buy this card for a quarter, and they're like, this card is unbeatable. Why is it a quarter? And I'm like, because I'm a nice guy. That's all I, I also play. remember not playing any spot removal ever in my 60-card casual decks. <laughs> yep. One person shows up with Doomblade, you're like, who's this guy? Get the hell out of here. Okay, yeah. so the easiest the easiest way to explain how casual players impact Magic card prices is Sol Ring is worth more than nothing, and the only formats you can play it in are EDH, Cube, and Vintage. And Ooh. I'm pretty sure Vintage is not the reason why it's so expensive. And, yep. and there are also like 90 copies or 90 printings of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's like so yeah, we sell out like will be one dollar until like the sun engulfs the earth. Command Tower will still be one dollar. You know what I like? Myriad Landscape is like four or five bucks. It's an uncommon from a Commander print run that is literally only playable in EDH and is like a four dollar land. And you can only play it in like one or two color decks too. Yeah, and but that still manages to hold a four dollar price tag. Yep. Oh man, sometimes you just want another Crows and Verge, okay? I would play the heck out of that card in my Gitrog Monster deck, but I want to pay four dollars for it. <laughs> That's yeah. unfortunate. Yeah. We should play some. Uh, we should play some EDH in Vegas. I don't think I, Travis likes my idea of EDH. I, uh, I, I have thinking a thinking booze cube. I have a very uh, 
distinct view of EDH that I'm not sure meshes with the greater population. Which is yeah. what, you don't like people playing Armageddon's? If somebody plays a return one Relic Warrior Tower, he'll scoop them up. Uh, yeah, I think I think infinite hand size is bad for the format. I don't do graveyard recursion. I don't do tutors. Are you a bant only person though? No, no. I play. I actually have difficulty not building only mono red decks because I think those tend to be the most very interesting EDH decks. But I think I think that graveyard recursion and uh, tutoring leads to repetitive game states, which is kind of con contrary to the idea of EDH, and I think infinite hand size just ends up with 35-minute turns every time. So at least, you're, at least you're playing more than three cars, because otherwise you'd be Rakdos intolerant. Uh, I'm sorry I didn't set you up for that a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, basically for those listening, you know, this is definitely a casual uh, podcast. Um, but yeah, like casual players influence everything, especially if you're a grinder. They're the ones that want to spend money on packs, which is normally a losing proposition. But then they open a $30 card, they're like, I don't want this, I want more packs for my bulker. It's very profitable to establish contacts with uh, casual players, and Doug's done a good job of that. Opening packs is great. I should go do that. It's even better to establish contact with casual players when they're cute. Okay, uh, I don't. Why? Uh, I, I don't. Yeah, I'm just they gonna. Can be, they can be female, Jeremy. What? Could you player? Uh, well, Travis is going a little far down the hole. I think. Uh, I think. I he's think, all shackled up now. He's got to express himself somehow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the only happy and single person left on this cast. It's sort of nice. Uh, I have a very symbiotic relationship. It's great. I bought a sorting tray, and now my girlfriend sorts my bulk. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Your girlfriend's sweet to hang out with, like, with you. Not, not. I'm not insinuating anything there. <laughs> you know, I mean, four, four years from now, you're gonna be the Ryan of our cast. So I'm gonna run your feet over the bus right now. I won't have any hair left. Do you like have Ryan any hair right now? No, man. He's got eyebrows. Yep. Ooh. All Are right. you sure they're not drawn on? <laughs> no. Um. So there's, there's other a stuff there with Drana something, like Drana something, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. Anyway, getting back to finance, instead of just making shitty jokes, uh, there were some other viewer questions that had been asked um, for us. Basically, there was a person that asked about restore balance and whether or not it's good, because it did win a WMCQ and it only has one printing. We've already seen Garganon go up. What do you guys think about any of the suspend or whatever cards? You know, Ancestral Visions, if you had held on to those when they were can, still banned. I can see Travis reaching over and grabbing his stacks of Restore Balance. I've only got, like, 30 or 40 myself, but I know he's got, like, at least 100. So I'll let him do that one. That card will eventually be $15, and we will both be vindicated. And, you know, this is why we're called the Cartel Aristocrats, because we all buy out cards, except for Jim, apparently. I have some specs. I found, um, I just moved kind of recently, and I just found my 80 copies of Thespian Stage that I bought for like 50 cents. Uh, I might eventually sweet. sell those. Yeah, go to a Grand Prix and flip them. Uh, I'm not sure I'm ready to get rid of them yet. I'm still holding on to them. Uh, to answer the question, I really like Restore Balance. It is um, an effect that is irre irreproducible in modern right now. Um, you know, Wheel of Fate, for in instance, is, is it Wheel of Fate or... Yeah, Wheel of Fate is the other um, 
suspend card that we haven't really seen much of yet. But that is at least, uh, you can find other cards that do that with um, the Miracle one, whose name I forget right now. So the effect is still in the format. Reforge Soul. Uh, Yeah, but Restore Balance just doesn't exist. Like, there's no other effect like that in Modern. So I think it's only a matter of time before somebody finds a way to bust this card. And Nahiri, I wouldn't have guessed Nahiri would be it, but maybe it is. If Jace were on print, were on ban, it'd be Jace. Travis, what are those packaged in? Like, it looks like you bought those. It looks I like just one sealed. of those big plastic bags. Oh, okay. It looks like you I bought them. It, it looks like it's sealed or something. Yeah, well, it is. I think I got them all from one vendor. I think they were all from ABU or something like that. I just never even opened them. I don't remember. So we've seen sites. Oh, from Tyro's tracker. Value. You realize half the people listening are listening on SoundCloud and can't see any of this. I don't care. I'm going to show off my restore balances. I okay. opened a tireless tracker. But you're jealous now. One day, Travis and I will make enough money on Restore Balance to outweigh the losses of Faith's reward. Oh, God. Oh, God. Don't get him started. In the teeth. Yep. Uh, for, for those unaware of what Doug is talking about, Star City had a big sale uh, quite a while ago. And. Restore balances, not restore balance. Uh, Faith's reward was like twenty-five cents, and I bought I don't know a hundred-ish in that ballpark and men- mentioned it. And Doug, I think, must have gone out and bought them too, because it's a really cool combo piece, very playable. There's only one printing. It was in a, co- a core set, and I was like, okay, there's some real possibility here. And then they just thought it in conspiracy for no reason other than to make sure we never make any money off of that card. To be fair, you did buy out and publicly stated that you bought out Suchi on those cast, in fact, and people still hate you for that. So, you know, about like the cartel does. Like nine of them, all right? <laughs> yeah, and then I asked you for one, and you're like, nah, man. <laughs> well, that's on principle. If you're buying out cards, just buy out cards in the reserve list. Or, like, Sig's got a good thing going. I mean, he hasn't bought out a single card, but if you're going to buy out a card, and we know there's a lot of people listening that hate the idea... You buy out something on the reserve list, or you buy out something that's in a uh, deck that's on camera and actually has legs and is older than Return of Ravnica, like Greater Garganon or something. So that's just something to keep in mind if you want to buy out a card. I don't recommend it. I've definitely bought out stuff that I shouldn't have and basically thrown money away. Like what? Uh, Foil Illusionist Bracers, for one. That was definitely not a good investment. Yeah. Yeah, I owned every copy of Foil Illusionist Bracers in every country online. I bought out all the I bought out the Japanese shops. I bought out the uh, I bought out MTG Card Market. I bought out TCG, ABU, CK, SEG, CFB. But on the other hand, I bought out Chandra Flame Color when it was nine bucks, and that worked out really well. So. Yeah, remember when I told hey. you to buy those at ten dollars, and you told me I was an idiot, and then you bought like what forty of them? Whoa. I bought forty from one vendor. Yeah, I, after I you told me that it was a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah, so if you're listening, we do occasionally have good ideas. I never have any, but the other members of this cast apparently know how to make money on MTG Finance. All right, next if question. Jeremy is, question. If Jeremy is insistent that your spec is bad, it means he's just going to go buy it himself. Probably. What's I the next like question on this 30 Linvalas that I really hope become worth more than $2. What do you... Yeah, I'm, I'm deep on those two. What do you expect to be the most sought-after cards by vendors at Grand Prix Indy. And then he says, are any of you going to be attending? We already answered that. Um, just look at Hiroyuya's buy board. Or rest in peace. That would be my guess. Because that card keeps going up. 
Wait, has it? What do you mean by has been going up? Like recently, or like cards like four and a half dollars now? No, if I'm, yeah, but I'm just saying it's been like four dollars over the past several months. So I'm just asking if you're suggesting that's recently grown from four to higher than that. Yeah, so most people think it can hit eight. Um, Graft Digger's Cage is at eleven now. I want to say last week when we casted it was ten. When we, you know, it was ten fifty last week. Uh, I think Rest in Peace hits eight. If Dredge gets any higher in the meta, I'm agreeing with you. It's just that there's like 200 copies on TCG Player right now, so be right back. No, I'm kidding. I don't want to buy out Rest in Peace at four bucks. If it was a dollar fifty, maybe four dollars. No, I will state that uh, I know Craig Barry, the uh, the buyout or the buyout guy, posted on Facebook recently that he has like a thousand Rest in Pieces or something like that. So that's yeah. just uh, something to keep in mind. To yeah, be fair, I mean, saying that you have them and actually having them is different. Like, he took a picture of all the LEDs he bought out, but I haven't seen a single picture of the Rest in Peace. And anyone who fair, knows him, fair. I'm friends with him on Facebook. If he wants to send me a message with a thousand Rest in Pieces, I'll believe him. Yep. People definitely like to talk more than what they actually have. Like, That's true. You all know the guys that say, I have a foil Black Lotus, I have an Alpha Volcanic Island, oh, I forgot them at my house, but I'll bring them next time. There's always that guy. Yep. Uh, I did make Rest in Peace my pick of the week on Fast Finance and this cast, I think, too. I mean, it's tough to buy in at $4, but I think there will be plenty of demand eventually. If it's not this weekend, it'll be eventually. It's definitely a uh, if-you-need-it-buy-it-now kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Graph Digger's Cage, Stony Silence, Little Line of the Void, like, clearly there's demand for these types of cards. Are there any cards that you guys want to make the pick of the week now since it almost has been an hour since we started? Are you going to sing the song? It's time for the pick of the week. All right, that was pretty bad. Go for it. Someone needs to like remix that. Make it awesome. I am going to stay true to my nature and go with a bulk rare. Um, A very, very low risk bulk rare that might not have any reward behind it, but uh, Chief Engineer is a card that I have been setting aside copies of every time I pick it out of bulk. It is a two-drop from M15 that gives all artifact spells you cast Convoke, and if Commodus is going to be an artifact block, I think it's just a very low-risk buy-in that people might get hyped about. I don't think there will be a deck that manifests off of it, but I think that it's a card that might Spike just based on pure hype, and I think you want to have a few copies out of your bulk and ready to sell online just for like two or three bucks just in case, or buy with them. I really like that. It's a good choice. I'm trying to pick a standard card, but everything in standard sucks right now. Um, I mean, if you want to go standard, it's just something from like Oath of the Gatewatch, probably, maybe Battle for Zendikar. But you know, the problem is I don't think any of those cards are particularly good right now. Like, I think that the most likely card to continue to see in a lot of play is Traverse the Uvenwald, and that's still already $3. I mean, Chandra's back down to 8 on low. Uh, a lot of people are big on From Beyond, which means you probably shouldn't invest in it because that means everybody's on it. A lot of people are on Conduit of Rune because the BioList has finally moved on that, if we're talking standard specs. There's always the possibility of Drana, too. Yeah, Desolation Twin as well. Um, the guy who... Uh, Rattle Chain's going back down to like $2. Yeah. We well, managed the problem to sell is the spirits are just bad because people play Liliana and they just kill all your guys for no mana. Um, 
I'm a bit, I like I still like Eldrazi Mimic at like seventy five cents, but Liliana being really good makes that worse. Because isn't there like yeah. a Bant Spirits deck like running around in Modern? Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. In Modern, yeah. So Jim, you want to give us a solid pick of the week then? So my yeah, my solid pick of the week is Nissa Vast. No, not Nissa Vastrus here. Nissa Voices of Car. Yeah, that card's still like $10, and it's about to get reprinted in a dual deck and fall from the sky, so you really shouldn't own those in probably Obnixilis for the same reason, since they're in the same dual deck. Also concerned that dual deck is straight garbage. Yep. So is the, yep. the opposite of a pick of the week? It's a, it's an unpick of the week. Okay. Just make sure I'm clear on that. What are you going with, Travis? Uh, well, I wanted to pick something from Dragons or Fate Reforged, um, which, if you haven't looked in a while, are two terrible sets. Um, but I was surprised at the prices on some of these. Soulfire Grandmaster is like $2 at this point, which I think is a pretty interesting pickup. It has an extremely unique effect. It is definitely modern playable, um, especially because it represents the possibility of getting into a lock if you have, like, Time Warp or something like that. So it's fringe, modern, playable. Um, it's got a really cool effect on it. I can see it being very popular in casual circles. Uh, so, you know, at two bucks a piece, Soulfire Grandmaster is a pretty nifty card. I mean, there's several in here. You've also got Temporal Trespass, Shaman of the Forgotten Ways, uh, are also really interesting mythics. But I think I like Soulfire the most out of the three for now. I'm going to go with Narcomoeba. I think this hits $5 in the next week. Uh, card's already gone up quite a bit due to the dredge deck. There's really not that much out there. Future Sight uncommon, Modern Masters uncommon. I think this hits five bucks easily. Yeah, I could see that. Um, yeah, go ahead, Jim. You're oh, muted So, so yeah. is, is, has Ugin fallen to its lowest price ever and like started to rebound? Because that's what it's kind of looking like to me. Like, Weren't they like a little bit below $20? And like I'm looking at the lowest near mint copies are just above twenty dollars now. Yeah, it's probably a good thing to notice. Yeah, it's a pretty like unique planeswalker. It's colorless, so it can go in any EDH deck, much like Soul Ring and all the other cards that are worth money. Um, I think that Guggen could definitely start seeing a turnaround. Like I can't imagine that this card ever goes very much, if ever, below twenty dollars. I can agree with that. Especially since Fate Reforged is hot garbage. Yeah, that's definitely something to keep in mind. Um, you know, we did talk about burgeoning earlier in the cast, I think. Unless this was... Yeah. No, that was me. I mentioned it. Yeah, that's something to keep an eye on when it gets reprinted to see how low that thing goes. That I think you could watch green. the exact graph for exploration and then, like, copy-paste that onto a graph for burgeoning and then use that to figure out when you buy a bunch of burgeoning foils and non-foils. I'm with you on that one. That and Burgeoning. Or that and Horn Agreed. So, I think this wraps up another week of Cartel Aristocrats. Do you guys want to go ahead and give yourselves the old plug? Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Douglas Johnson. Uh, everybody calls me DJ. I currently write for QuietSpeculation.com, and my articles come out every Thursday on the insider side of things, which is definitely worth paying for. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Rose of Thorns. No, no, sorry, breathing uh, out. I thought somebody laughed. Uh, yeah, that's basically it. You can follow me on Twitter, Rose of Thorns. I usually post a bunch of magic cards to sell on there when I get collections in. Uh, and I give people deals if they follow me. 
So that's always nice. And then I list the cards on TCG Player, and then I get money, and then I buy more collections. And that's how I'm paying through grand school. So. Wait, magic cards are worth money? Shit. Yeah. Yeah, no I also just recently on. got uh, these card garden shirts that I'm going to use to potentially sell it, uh, vend at some small local events in the near future, so that's going to be fun. I got a banner, too. Oh, uh, last MTG Finance tip. Uh, if you're going to get a banner and T-shirt screen printed, uh, it helps if the owner of the store who runs that also plays Magic and is willing to take Liliana the Veils instead of $100 bills. So that always helps. Hashtag MTG Finance. Yeah, yeah I was going to say hashtag SIG value, but whatever, that's close enough. Yeah. Jim? Uh, my name is Jim Casal. You can find me on Twitter at PHROST underscore, and you can find my articles every Tuesday on Modern Nexus. And soon possibly other places. Travis Allen. I'm on Twitter at WizardBumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N. I write for MTG Price every Wednesday. I'm on MTG Fast Finance, the podcast with James Chilcott. And I'm at Zemet Sells Magic. Uh, probably a good thing that we finished recording. I'm looking out my window. It looks like uh, it's raining money because there appears to be a change in the weather. Thanks for watching Cartel Podcast Finance number 22, and we'll see you guys next week.